Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money. Ron Hebert is with us, the financial coach, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead. Used to hang my hat in the broadcasting business. Ron, I, I was around long enough, and you and I have known each other long enough, that we've been through what we're seeing right now. These are very, very scary times for people. Rising interest rates, you know, banks talking about substantial hikes in interest rates. You start worrying about recession. We've been talking about this for the last couple of years, haven't we? Well, you know, what is incomprehensible to me is the fact that, you know, literally over the last decade, maybe 12 years, the money in circulation has literally tripled. And you, you had people literally shrugging their shoulders and saying, well, this, there's, it's not going to lead to inflation. There's nothing to worry about here. We can just go on stimulating the economy endlessly. Well, that's not how it works. Eventually, it comes back to bite you, and it has. And right now, central banks have really painted themselves into a corner. And if they don't raise interest rates high enough, it'll lead to a stagnating economy or and one with high inflation. That's typically called stagflation. And if they let inflation run, it's going to wipe out a whole generation of savers, especially those people who are retired. Now, if they raise rates too much, we're going to have a recession and a bear market. We're going to have people lose their homes. And real estate prices are going to go down. And either way, there's a lot of negative consequences. So that's why we wanted to start this week with uh, uh, a radio show that we decided to call the bad times portfolio because it's the things that you can buy that will protect you if rates go down now uh, a note of caution here in a bear market everything goes down that's in equity and often gold even goes down but a there's some things that go down less than others and b often when you've got a situation like we're in it doesn't resolve itself overnight. You know, you and I have a long history because we're older, and we remember going back in the 70s. Inflation wasn't solved in three months. It was solved over about four or five years, and the economic consequences that went with it weren't good. And typically, when uh, you had the tech bust in 2000 and, uh, well, 1999, it, it took till 2003 uh, for things to revolve, resolve themselves. And if you bought uh, stocks in 1999, the market didn't recover itself until 2013, you know. So some of these resolutions can take a long time. And so what do you do in the meantime? How do you invest when you have an extended period of tough times? And that's what this show's about today. So rising interest rates, uh, people are worried about their homes, their mortgages. We're going to do a show on that next week about mortgages and the, the, the corner that some people have painted themselves into there individually. But let's start with what, what do we do? Do we look, at, we look at basic fundamentals, things that, if you will, are almost, if not completely, bulletproof? That's true. And, and what you'll find is that during bad times, preferences shift. In other words, if you can't afford to buy steak, you buy something cheaper. If uh, you can't afford to shop anymore at uh, a high-end store uh, like Aritza, maybe you end up shopping at Walmart or maybe you end up shopping at a dollar store, you know. So 
people substitute cheaper things for more expensive things. They do more work themselves. The list goes on, and we're going to talk about the 10 trends that uh, you can look at that tend to increase due to consumer shifting demand, and these are the things that usually hold up well or better and often see their earnings rise as people spend more at their locations and in the services they offer than at the other higher price competition. So that's the focus of this show. I even saw a story a couple of weeks back about the, the CEO of Walmart was concerned. He said you know, their stock was off a little bit. Uh, people are finding more inexpensive ways to shop. There's no two ways about it. You mentioned dollar stores. Let's start there. Well, here again, you know, a dollar store is just what it is. It's a place that you can buy uh, cheaper merchandise, and they even have uh, food in there now. And so people that are on very limited budgets that can't afford higher-priced things, and when you go into a dollar store, uh, they have things arranged, so it's almost like hunting for hidden treasure. So they always have different things in there. And so typically when people go in, rather than marching over to the specific thing and they want to buy and then leaving, what they do... They go up and down the aisles. <laughs> they go up and down all the aisles, and if they were coming in for a $10 item, maybe they end up going out with $25 worth of bargains instead of the 10 they originally wanted to do. So places like dollar stores, generally you'll find that during times like this where people are substituting, um, they're the kinds of, of stores and the kinds of businesses that generally see earnings increases or just really good solid numbers. So in Canada, to give an example, would be Dollarama, D-O-L, and it trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange. There's a Dollar Tree. There's a number of other big ones that trade in the U.S. Dollar General, and, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, Dollar General. And, and so this is just an example of uh, a local company that that is in that type of business. And as we go through with the 10 trends, we'll give you one or two examples in each category, just so you get an idea. But if you go online and do some exploration, you'll find there's plenty more. And uh, the point of this show is that you want to be able to reorient. If, if this goes on for an extended period of time, you want to reorient your portfolio. And as times get cheap, you want to buy those stocks where People are substituting. They're moving to more of a lower-cost entry. Okay, what about do-it-yourself things? Uh, you know, something goes wrong. Maybe you decide for yourself, I'm going to try and fix that instead of buying a new one. Yeah, I mean, simple things like, uh, you know, if a headlight goes out, I mean, you take it to a, a garage, and you might have a three-week wait to get in because uh, half the mechanics, uh, aren't working or or they're just having problems attracting talent. Um, but a lot of the do-it-yourself stores, like Canadian Tire, for example, is a good do-it-yourself store. I know I find myself in there all the time because they've got a good selection of tools. They've got a good selection of screws. They've got, uh, you know, I can go in if there's a bulb burnout on my car or there's a scratch on my car and I need a specific paint to dab it. Well, they've got all that stuff. And so it's just a good example of a company 
that provides products for the do-it-yourselfer, and you get more people doing more home repairs themselves. They do more fix-it. Instead of charging, finding a plumber at $150 an hour, who's going to charge you from the time they leave their house? You know, if it just takes a little bit of pipe dope and uh, a, a couple of fittings, well, you know, you turn off the water, and maybe those are some of the things you do themselves. You know, Canadian Tire has come back. It's it's currently got a, almost a 4% dividend, and uh, uh, it's trading at about nine times earnings. And there's a lot of other companies in this space, you know, like uh, some of the the auto parts stores are, are similarly priced with good dividends. So this is something you might want to add to your portfolio, and you might want to watch these kind of stocks. What I call it is the do-it-yourself stores, and when they get cheap, and we if we go through an extended cycle, these are the guys that are going to hold up the best, and there's a good chance they'll even go up. Okay, uh, a lot of people in a situation, they get into a crunch, they run short of cash, they say, maybe I should pawn something. What about pawn shops? You know, I remember a story uh, where back in 2007 to 2009, uh, I used to get the Wall Street Journal every day because, frankly, it was always regarded as the definitive uh, reading material if you wanted financial information in the U.S. And Usually, on page two, you'd have advertisements for expensive homes. You've had advertisements for expensive stocks. But between 2007 and 2009, all these Wall Street guys uh, that were in finance, they, were, they got wiped out, frankly. And on page two, the pawn shops in New York took the entire second page, and this went on for almost a year where you could turn to the second page of the Wall Street Journal, and they would advertise watches. They would advertise European cars, you know, uh, top-line Mercedes-Benz vehicles, frankly, that were literally, uh, they bought them a year ago, and you could buy them at 50 and 60% off. People were pawning their Rolexes, their Patek Philippe's uh, at, at half price or less. You know, they couldn't give this stuff away, and these guys had huge bank loans, and they were pawning stuff off because they were broke. And so there are pawn shops, and that's what happens when people extend themselves too much. Debts at all-time highs. Uh, and pawn shops usually do very, very well during times where people need instant cash. And, you know, there's, uh, there's lots of, of different opportunities, small chains. Uh, one of the bigger ones in the U.S. is called First Cash Holdings. It's uh, FCFS. It uh, trades um, on the NASDAQ in the United States, and it's just one of many that should do quite well in a period of time when, when people are, are looking for, you know, people literally, Gord, are walking around their houses looking for stuff to sell so that they can maintain their mortgage or maintain their car payments, their high lifestyle. So if you need stuff cheap, um, that's a good place to go to buy. I mean, I go to pawn shops to buy things. It's amazing, the stuff. Interesting stuff in there, right? Yeah. Oh, interesting stuff in there that you're getting it it really inexpensively. So this is a uh, kind of a two-sided trend. Number one, you can it it's a place you can look for investment opportunity, but it's also a place you can go if you have some cash and you're not overextended. 
and you want to buy stuff cheap. I mean, some of the best stuff I've ever seen to buy is, is usually pawn shops have junk, but during really, really bad bear markets, you get people that um, are living beyond their means. I think 40%, 43 or 4% board of people making a quarter million dollars a year are living paycheck to paycheck. Jeez. Oh, that's, that's totally amazing to me. So you've got these people that all of a sudden, you know, their lifestyle forces them to get some cash because the bankers are, are, are pounding at the door. And so, uh, you know, over the next year or two, if you're a buyer, check these places out. There can be some amazing opportunities if you're looking for some really high-quality stuff. One of the trends you mentioned kind of surprised me, but as somebody who, you know, we have a dog, pet care. You said, you know, a lot of people make a lot of sacrifices before they sacrifice their pets, right? That is true. I mean, I saw an article, I think it was in Globe and Mail a number of years ago, and it talked about how much people spend over the lifetime of their pet. And it's between, you know, I mean, obviously, if you have a goldfish in a, in a small little bowl on your counter, <clears throat> you're not spending that much. But if you got a dog or you got a cat, you know, often between the treats and taking them in for their pedicures and manicures and, and uh, their washes and, and their clippings and all the other things you do and the vet bills, you're spending 15000 to 25000 over the lifetime of an animal just on, on their care. And uh, pet, uh, the pet industry is one of the few industries that over the last couple of recessions has continued to put up better numbers. More and more young people not having kids. They're calling their their animals their their uh, their their child kids, you know, or their animal kids. And so, you know, literally, what we're seeing is um, the amount of pets that are held per capita has been going up, and the amount of spending per animal per household is also going up. And a good, uh, a good example here is a company called Zoetis, which makes pharmaceuticals for animals. It's ZTS trades in the U.S. There's a bunch of companies in this sector. There's pet care companies. There's companies that make chew toys. There's just all kinds of stuff out there if you earn and make food. But Zoetis, uh, one of the big advantages of, of companies that are in the pharmaceutical business for animals is you don't have all the rigorous testing that you do for humans. So a lot of the stuff that was, uh, frankly, uh, they've done work on and uh, his use for humans, they, they adapt the formula for animals, number two, so you don't have to do a lot of the R&D work again. You've already got something that's proved. And number two, if you come up with something, you don't have nearly the hurdles uh, to get it approved like you do if you're going to give it to the human population. So, uh, you know, I mean, the other day, a guy took his 15-year-old dog, our neighbor, in uh, to Vancouver, and the dog needed, uh, had uh, lost circulation in one of its joints, so they did an amputation. That was 3500 bucks, And the dog's 15 years old, and he had no problem shelling out the money. It amazes me. Okay, uh, bulk foods. Uh, you use the example of Costco. I mean, uh, I think I'll, you know a lot of us are Costco shoppers. You go and you buy a, a flat of niblets or you buy a flat of tomato sauce or pasta sauce, whatever. I think a lot of people are going to be doing that, right? 
Oh, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, Gord, you and I aren't, uh, any different than, than the listeners on this radio show. And, you know, it just makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, a lot of bulk items like, like, uh, like toilet paper and napkins and things like that. If you buy them in, you know, three, 400 at a time, instead of 25 at a time, you get things much, much cheaper in those big cans of tomato sauce. You know, we've got a stack of them in the corner of our house, literally, because uh, buying in bulk is so much cheaper. And when you're, you know, like last year, inflation, 7% year over year, Mm -hmm. which means that your buying power is 7% less than it was last year. Well, what are you going to give up? Well, on the front line, you might not have to give up anything. You just might have to shop a little smarter where you're buying bulk and that gets your food costs down enough so that you might not have to do anything. So uh, one of the first things that people do when times get tough are start looking for opportunities where they can buy more for less. And obviously Costco is just one of the uh, examples of a bulk grocer that allows you to do that. Okay, so uh, on the food subject, uh, you know, maybe you, you stop buying steak, right? <laughs> you uh, Or if you're, if you're not a meat eater, maybe you start buying a different type of vegetable product or protein product you you substitute exactly you know uh, steak to hamburger fresh fruits and vegetables you substitute that for pasta i'm not necessarily saying all the time uh you're eating a lot better but you're substituting things that that fill your belly and you could do it for less and uh, you know i know anybody in the health food industry will probably cringe when i mention the name but hormel foods hrl Trades in the U.S. is a good example of that. They're the makers of spam. And all these canned meat products, which, uh, frankly, I don't eat, uh, but you take a look at their sales. And when times get tough and people are looking for cheap protein, uh, that's where things, they go. That's where they go. So, you know, substituting ex- cheap food for expensive food is, is a big trend. And the longer it lasts, the, the more that trend will continue. And I, I just have a feeling that they're not going to be able to get rid of inflation that easily, Gord. And so substitution, especially in the food area, because it's something you need, you know, that's going to be front line. What about alcohol consumption? There's an old, uh, an old saw out there that, you know, when times are good, people consume alcohol. When times are bad, they consume more alcohol. That's not necessarily true. They may be they, they consume the same amount, they just drink a cheaper variety or something, right? Yeah, and, and alcohol consumption doesn't go down that much at all. Actually, and alcohol sales don't even go down that much, total dollar. Uh, but you get more binge drinking. <laughs> that, that does become an issue as people get depressed. But, you know, alcohol is one of the consumption. It's just one of those areas where, it, you know, booze doesn't fly off the shelves, the worse things get. It's one of those industries where the consumption is pretty steady. You look at consumption during good markets, consumption during bad markets. Uh, you know, consumption could go down a little bit, but, you know, drinking usually holds up pretty well. So an example of that, a Canadian example, is Cordy's. Uh, CSW.A, if you go to their website, you'll see that they have all kinds of major brands in Canada. And, of course, you can go to uh, some of the bigger foreign brands like Oh, for example, Diageo, which is the big British company that has, oh, hundreds of different labels all the way from scotch to beer to wine to other hard alcohol. 
drinks. So there's lots of choice out there. But, uh, you know, alcohol is one of those areas. It's called a defensive area because, uh, frankly, their earnings hold up quite well in a recession. Okay, let's talk a little bit about land and property. Uh, If you're in a housing situation and you're feeling the crunch and you have to move from your home, do we start looking at things like REITs or something? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you want to look at something where people, if they can't afford to buy a home, what are they going to do? Well, if they can't afford to buy, they're going to rent. It's just how things go. And, you know, they might not necessarily be able to rent in downtown Toronto or downtown Vancouver anymore. So they're going to rent in outlying communities where it's a little cheaper. Maybe they have to commute. But, you know, they're going to, everybody wants to keep a roof over their head. And, you know, you've got 425 or 430,000 people that are immigrating to Canada this year. They're all going to need a roof over their head. And I, I think, especially for some of the, uh, the apartment uh, industry, I mean, you look online, and all the analysts are calling for explosive growth because there just hasn't been enough units built in most places uh, across Canada over the years. So it should be, with a housing deficit, it should be an area that does well. If rates stay uh, higher or longer, uh, they'll do exceptionally well because people won't be able to afford homes. They'll have to rent instead. So this one, this next one here kind of ties almost into the pawn shop analogy Ron, but what about secondhand and use items like people go to things like ebay and, and they try to sell stuff online right oh yeah ebay's a, a great example of that Gord. um you know and and here again this is uh this is a, a two-sided trend number one is typically you get companies like ebay that often do better because people again times are tough they wander around their home they pile up all the stuff in the garage in the middle of the floor of the, don't, of the things that they don't need that they might be able to get some money for, and they put them online and they sell them. So it's uh, usually you get business improves for these guys. And also, if uh, you're in a position and you've got some cash, well, it's a great place to go because during recessions, you get some of the best bargains. And finally on the list, the essentials. And, and boy, how many times have we talked on, about this on making money? Stuff that just doesn't go away. Like utilities? Like utilities, like water, like natural gas, like, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things in this area where people are going to keep buying because of the essentials. You know, in winter in Alberta, when it's 30 below, uh, your your gas is going to be on and your lights are going to be on because the sun goes down at 4, 4.15 in the dark of winter. Uh, you're going to continue to have your t- telephone. That's going to be one of the last things to go. So there's certain p- things people continue to spend money on. And, you know, e- e- examples are Capital Power, CPX, in the utility side, or Rogers Communication, or TELUS on the telco side. You know, these are just companies that, that frankly, are going to continue. And un- they're the last things to go. I mean, people will, will cut buying, and they'll cut uh, clothing, they'll cut eating out, they'll cut doing everything. But they're going to make sure their house is warm, and they've got water, and they can turn the lights on, and they've got uh, A way to communicate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, these are the kinds of things. Like I say, these markets will tend to get cheaper. Everything tends to go down in recession. But there's those people that just become spectators and watch, and there's those that figure out that this could last for a while, and these are 
some of the 10 trends were if you're looking at adding positions, you can add positions in these things that you know, if, if it is of four or five years to restructure, well, these are the kind of, of stocks that if you buy them cheap, they can be the ones that bounce back the first and the best. So there you go. Some ways to kind of fortress yourself a little bit for the uh, rough waters which we are navigating right now as they say a little chop on the waters these days. Ron Hebert is the financial coach. Uh, if you have a suggestion or a question about a show, uh, and a lot of people have a lot of questions right now, you can reach us through our website, letsmakemoney.ca, or through the cfcw.com portal, and we'll be happy to address it in upcoming episodes. Next time around, we're going to talk about mortgages, Ron. This is something that's on a lot of people's minds right now, right? This is something that, uh, frankly, I've gotten a lot of emails about over the last uh, month or two when rates have started going up for the simple reason that everybody was in a hurry to buy a home, you know, homes that get listed, and people were paying 20% above list price to get their home. And they, they, they were so in, a, in such a big hurry to get in, they didn't spend a lot of time checking out the mortgage side of things. And now with rates going up, if you have a variable rate mortgage, and we'll be talking about that, you're finding your costs or maybe have gone up $1,000 a month. Well, for a lot of people, that's hard to afford. So we're going to talk about mortgages. We're going to talk about what happens if you've got a variable mortgage and rates are going up. What are your, some of your options? So if, um, if you don't know a lot about mortgages or you found yourself boxed in a corner from some of the decisions you make, we'll try to help you come up with some solutions. Next time around, that's our installment on Making Money. We hope you can join us. On behalf of Ron Hebert, the financial coach, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.